Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I don't know. Life's kind of busy. Just had some delicious lunch. And uh, yeah, that's about all that's going on over here. Sounds busy. Lunch. (laughs) (laughs) You know that like tunnel vision when you like can't think of anything except for the thing you've been working on for like the last couple hours? It's just like. Oh, yeah, totally. Nothing else is happening in the world. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Hundred percent. So yeah. So that was lunch. Then you were just working on. Well, I was having a big lunch. Meal. You are then... pretty big. You're a tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was doing some consulting work, which is not that exciting, probably to our listeners. Okay. Yeah. How uh, How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I don't think I ever say that, so that sounded weird coming out of my mouth. But I'm doing well. well that's proper uh, English. It's good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I try to think. Uh, it's. I think for probably everyone, I don't know, in the country, maybe, uh, it's like curiously hot in September. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're the same way up further north than me, but it's kind of hot. There's been some 90 plus days in September. What's up with that? Yeah, no kidding. I think we had it last week. We had it really hot last week. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, summer is just giving the last good kick of the can before uh, before we get cold winter. Yeah, it's messing up my plan because we have like two cars, and uh, mm. one is an older car. is like you know, it's a Camry from I don't know two thousand six or something, and the air conditioning has been broken, but just on the driver's side. It's one <laughs> of those things. Like, I'm like, do I get it fixed? It's an older car. It's going to cost like. Mm. I don't know, 500 bucks, but most of the time I only care for a couple months of the year and I just blast the other side and I don't mind, but, yeah. uh, my wife hates to drive it in the summer for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. it's technically, I don't think it's that bad once it gets going, but you know, any, yeah. anyone's comfort is their own, their own thing. So for um, sure, but this extended summer has made that painful when there's the times we need two cars we're both taking kids to different activities usually Mm -hmm. that's the car that goes the longer distance because it gets better mileage and stuff but then if you're stuck with that one or if she's stuck with that one yeah she's not a happy camper but uh (laughs) you know but i've been just like ah it'll the the heat will end soon and you won't even matter anymore you know but yeah that hasn't happened you just just wait another week it'll be gone totally cool yeah so, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, yeah, I had an interesting topic today. I think this probably would be good for our, our general audience. But um, so, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with Lenny. Um, probably just the name in the tech circles is probably enough. But you could tell me different. But Lenny Rachitsky. Oh, you never heard of him before? I, I had no idea of who Ooh. he was before uh, okay. you sent me this article. So, so. Uh, just quick backstory. He's he. I think he was a, a founder. He had a company. It got bought by Airbnb many many moons ago, and and then um, uh, he was there for as a PM for a very long time. So, um, kind of has a founder edge to him, but at the same time, has been done big tech, you know, big big company, uh, VC backed all this. So he he's well connected. He knows his stuff and. He has a great podcast. It was Lenny's podcast. This is Lenny's newsletter. He was sort of one of these, uh, like, I think he's one of the most subscribed on, like, Substack. 
anyway, great. Always very, very well researched um, is one of the people that actually runs like a profitable newsletter and that's all he does now. So, but started out as like a, I think he may have started around COVID, um, but he's super insightful. If you just hear his voice, it's super soothing. I don't know. He's just like the most pragmatic, (laughs) nice guy ever. (laughs) Um, Nice. So uh, anyway, check out the podcast, but he, he has started the series um, about starting a startup and I think he broke it into seven parts, but the one I was most keen to talk about, because I think people could talk about step one, which is like how to find an idea, but that's sort of beaten to death. And I don't know as that's one of these ones where like, I don't know how you can really help people. You can give them areas to go, but this next step I think is actually even more critical, which is how to validate your B2B startup idea. So I sent you the article and I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what, what he wrote. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think yeah. the only point to mention is we don't have the full – he writes these newsletters. I think it's most of the article. It gets cut off at the bottom, but I think it's like 90% of it uh, for an unpaid <laughs> uh, person. So. Nice. Well, I have just subscribed to his newsletter, so I will get them going forwards, and I now know who Lenny is. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is, uh, yeah check out the well, podcast too. Yeah, no kidding. This is really cool. But uh, yeah, the article is really cool. Um, that looks neat. We'll talk through talking through the validation stuff because like that's pretty much right where I'm at. And like, I think you've kind of thought deeper about this stuff kind of, haven't you? Yeah, I have. It's often been, um, yeah, if we get to cover that part, but as we've talked about on the podcast before, like I did more of a, used to do more content on social media, Twitter and stuff like that. And was sort of experimenting more with like the, um, building an audience type of thing as a creator. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's pretty much one of the like prime creators that is making a good living off of doing this type of thing. Uh, and one of the ways, you know, people think about how does a creator monetize right and his is like mm-hmm. the newsletter and i think he dates he's big enough that he gets sponsorships for his newsletter and sponsorships um for his podcast in addition to there's a there's most of his newsletters i think are paid but he still gives a lot of open free stuff too yeah. and one of the other methods is teaching a course right like so mm-hmm. way back i uh there's what was all the rage a couple years ago and i think it's still probably going okay, but I would guess there's some industry slowdown in the cohort-based learning kind of area where you have a person that, you know, let's say it's a three-day course, I show up for an hour and I teach a course to 100 people on a subject matter that I am highly skilled at and good at Mm -hmm. teaching. And the idea is that, uh, yeah, that, that as a creator, that person could benefit by teaching extreme detailed tactics of a, my little niche in the world <laughs> for a hundred mm-hmm. people. And let's say they're paying $200 to join this class. So it can be profitable. Um, and <laughs> long story, not short, but <laughs> my idea was to build a, a personalized SAS idea validation framework. So it's kind of along the lines of what he's talking about, mm-hmm. but my course was generally going to be that. I never finished the course. I have a lot of notes and a lot of materials I built up and a landing page I wrote. 
but yeah, that's sort of so where it's at. Super cool. So you probably have opinions on all these things. I don't think they're, I don't think it's like a, his versus his way versus my way type sure. of thing. So yeah, I do. Obviously I always have opinions, but so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so what if we get into some of them? What, what sure. are the, um, like there's, I think there's four there. Like what's, you want to list them off for us and, um, we can pick a favorite. Well, sure. I mean, let's go. So in general, what he, his research process is he went through and he interviews a lot of people like just for tactics and for details. Sometimes he does these summaries, roundups of a lot of the interviews that he's done, or it might be an individual deep dive for a specific like company or uh, role at the company or phase at a certain company. So it's, you know, this is titled, you know, this is where, again, we're talking about B2B SaaS, B2B it's actually, he says B2B startup idea. So he doesn't even say SaaS. So that's hmm. an important nuance, right? Because some of the companies he's talked about, let's see, are they all SaaS? I think so he so. has Retool, Amplitude, Segment, Vanta, Notion, Loom, Slack, Box. I think most of those are SaaS. There's one um, of them that's a credit card company. True. Um, um. Ramp, I think. Ramp, yes. So that is not, but it, it is B two B, but it is not. It is not SaaS. I don't know if, uh, yeah. So I don't. I think most of them are, but not all of them. Maybe Vanta is not. I think Vanta is like a. Uh, no, I think. I think they are SaaS. Is, like, or, like it is a software that you you get a lot of consulting with it too. I think, but yeah, there. I think there's a software component. Okay. Okay. Well, Vanta does like the security audits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a combination software and service, but also has a subscription mechanism to it. So they, they get paid annually yeah. to keep giving yeah. you the SOC 2 report and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he interviews a lot of people and tries to kind of sum up takeaways and whatnot. And um, essentially he has, there are, four signs to there's four major ways to find out if your idea has legs. That's kind of a big section. And then there's like four strategies to approach it. So we can start with the strategies and then go into the. Sure. To see it. What did you think of the strategies? Um, well, so the strategies are, you know, do it manually, listen to people, prototype, or just launch stuff and see if it works. <laughs> right. Um Obviously my preferred or historically my method has been just launch stuff and see how it goes. And mm-hmm. I have to say that doesn't tend to work so well, at least for me. Um, I, I did really like his um, do it manually path where like basically you find something that is like a, you know, you can deliver to somebody and that someone could, you know, do it manually the long way if they wanted to. Um, right. And basically do that first for a while and then, um, you know, deliver that to enough people that you kind of get the feel for it and then build something that kind of solves that problem. Um, I really like that idea just because it seems um, you really get time to hone your idea. You, do, you make money the whole time um, or at least, you know, you're bringing in money. Uh, well, you're not even honing the money. idea on that one, right? So, I mean, the key part of that one is don't build anything. Solve it <clears> manually <throat> first. So. Yeah, it's like kind honing, of do... honing your value prop, right? Honing like your what you're selling, so to speak. Yeah, because I think you you have um, you have something to sell at the moment, 
which is your your time basically. So basically you just get on the sales call and say like, hey, do you want this thing? And if they say yes, then you know you kind of decide exactly what that means. And I think through that process, you're kind of honing what your offering will be. Right. I think if you find that um, you know, a customer says, Yeah, I like that, but you know, can we change this, that, the other thing? Um, you kind of get that honing that way. I'm not even sure he means to say selling it because if you are if we go into so we've talked about the four strategies or the four uh ways to go about it so again doing it manually listening Mm -hmm. building a prototype and just launch see how it goes (laughs) because if you have the other four ways that he says like here's how you can see if something uh i guess holds water right like if you have a fit Mm -hmm. Um, or how, if you're out, val- here's the ways to validate. He has p- people pay you money, so that's one. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, if you paired your do it manually and people pay you money, then yes, you're selling that. Strong emotion is also just like is his second one for validating. You hear you're hearing hatred from the incumbents or a deep or and strong emotional reaction to your idea. So like basically you're getting people like super excited about, Oh my God, Mm. that'd be amazing. Right. Um, (laughs) Hopefully avoiding the mom test types of stuff, but uh, yes. Yeah. uh, Cold inbound interest, which I like that part too, which is sort of like no one knows and they're just interested enough with very little like to go on. Right. Or just like you have Mm -hmm. a very simple way of explaining it and you could, you basically proven you can, find people randomly and some of them are actually like interested in your product. And the last one is continued usage, right? Uh, which yeah. it says if you've got a prototype running, people continue to use your product, even if it's bad. So you could pair yourself with the different parts. Like it could be doing it manually for someone, mm-hmm. but they keep using it. Like that's a signal. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, you see what I'm going with that, right? Yeah, for sure. Like there are definitely different ideas, like different ways to tell it's working. I think just the general approach overall, like you kind of have to pick a way to start too, right? Like so that you can figure out what the signal is and whether it's going to work or not. Right, right. And I feel like you've done the listening path. That's probably more of what you've you've yeah, I, tried I, some I, other ones, right? I thought I did the listening path. And then I read his <laughs> section of all these interviews he did of people who did the listening path. And they're talking about like interviewing like 50 people. I'm like, uh, (laughs) like I've got notes on maybe like close to 10. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if maybe, maybe the like LinkedIn response counts as something, but um, yeah, definitely uh, not as in depth as the, some of the examples he gave, but yeah, I think that's the idea this time around. Right. And this is also more of, remember, like idea phase has already happened. So at this point you have an mm. idea or or at least yeah. you know the problem you're solving or you're trying to solve. And so the listening path is is more about like interviewing and trying to find enough people and trying to understand the nuances of like, is this, mm-hmm. it's probably a balance of like, that typical interview stuff, like you don't want to ask them, Oh, would you buy this? Or is this interesting? Because they don't, they don't know. No one can, no one can always predict their own behaviors. Right. Well, all they can tell you is certain, like their, their 
what what bothers them today, what emotions they have, what pains they're feeling today. Like those are more truths than there are like would, would you pay would you pay for this? Is like yeah, probably yeah. one of the worst ones, right? <laughs> totally. What I, what I thought was kind of neat with these uh, the the examples that he gave, they were all kind of companies that started in one direction, like they had an idea. And then they really like a lot of them like kind of zigzagged to end up on their, their final thing that we know them for. Like he's talking about like notion starting out as like this no code website builder kind of thing. Um, and basically that through these different paths that kind of helped them to hone their idea into what they really ended up doing. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I wonder if all these names are the same from what they, cause they have these ones like, you know, segment started out as a university classroom lecture tool. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I've heard that story before, but I also don't know if like it was called segment then, or it was just like, those were the founders that came up with it. So. Right. Or they just kept on, like they kept on working on the same code base and then it ended up, you know, maybe they did a rebrand or something, but. Yeah. So I don't know the the pivot stuff to me is a little loose because it's like, Slack started as a game called Glitch. I think everyone knows like the story of Slack and like the story of I think Flickr was similar and it's the same person, Stuart Butterfield that wanted mm. to make games and he kept trying to make games and then he found other <laughs> other like patterns or other uh you know companies based off of intel he figured out while building yeah. the games. But I think there is something to it. Like I think I know that some of these, like it sounds a little far fetched to make a game and end up with like a messaging service. But um, I, I think there is something to it where you kind of have this new understanding of your customer as you build something or as you take one of these different paths, and then that kind of helps to direct you in the right way. And maybe you'd say that the you know the end result is so different from the starting point that you're like, well, that's a totally different thing. But I think on the journey side of things, it kind of, it's all one journey, right? One founder journey, but then could you, like what I'm asking is what frames the pivot, right? So I've had multiple companies and different things. Would you say Mm. I've pivoted from different things, right? Or you have pivoted from different things? Most of these I think are because they probably got funding for one idea or they, two Mm. founders got together on one idea and they tried something and then they tried something else and then they got funding. It might be, did the founders were the founders paired together or yeah. was it the similar funding mechanism? Cause like the Butterfield stuff is more of the funding mechanism. Cause I think mm. he had a team that was building this stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, this isn't working, but maybe this is let's all shift before, instead of giving the money back and disbanding the team, they built up yeah. the team. So maybe the framing is like founding team more yeah. than one. Cause I wouldn't say you pivoted like from no, your for companies, sure. but you do have this journey of different startups. Right. But I think within each of them, there is a pivoting that happens like a minor pivoting within that idea. Like for example, testing taxi, I really started out trying to do like self driven automation. Um, and now it's more of a sidebar thing. Um, and I, th- I would call that a pivot, but I wouldn't I say that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say that status list to testing taxi would be a pivot. Like, no, those are very different things. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I think that your first one aided in the discovery of the second one. Right. So maybe that's part of the definition if we're getting loose about the definition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, this was a random tangent. Did you have any of these strategies that you thought were interesting or that you kind of kind of jumped out to you? 
Um, so I'm trying to think of what I've done. So I think I did a combination of doing it manually. I did a little bit of listening path, but I can't say, uh, I didn't do that before I, I didn't let that stop me from building, which is oh, like, okay. <laughs> it's classic a different developer. Classic. classic. It was like, ah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe it. So I'm just going <laughs> to do it anyway, which provided, you know, turned out to be right. It was probably more of a, I don't know. It's, it's probably a combination of the first three, which is doing it manually because there was a lot of manual stuff I did in the beginning. Okay. Uh, there was a listening path, but I can't say that that resulted in it. And then it, it did start out more as a prototype. So out of those, mm. the prototype is probably the strongest. Mm. Uh, it definitely was not just launch and see how it goes because, you know, yeah. did that before. <laughs> Everyone else <has>. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got at least one of those. <laughs> um, but then when they talk about the like validation pieces, um, mm-hmm. I think for me, that's where the val- the validation came when people paid me money, right? Like that yep. was that was the big thing. We didn't do cold bound, cold inbound interest. I mean, part of the listening path for Referral Rock is I did email up like every small business owner I knew and asked them about yep. you know what they thought and talked to some of the a bunch of them. Um, and then. Uh, but yeah, the, the the and the last one continued usage. I think that also gave me some level of level of validation even before like people paid money. So it's sort of like, yeah. oh, okay, this seems useful. People are using it, and let's throw up a paywall and see. And that sort of kind of at least got me locked in enough to to commit to working a lot more on it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's kind of tricky though, when you don't really know which of these is going to kind of come for you. Like I think strong emotions, you could probably, you could probably see some of that if you went down the listening path and you talked to a bunch of people, but even then right. though, like some people get really riled up about stuff and then refuse to pay money to fix it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm thinking with testing taxi, I'm kind of looking for like continued usage as a starting mm-hmm. point. Um, like if I can get people to continue using the app for, you know, I don't know what a target would be, but a decent amount of time, I think that'd be kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I guess my, I've seen a lot of validation frameworks, you know, a lot of people have different validation frameworks. And I think they're really helpful in framing how to think about it. Like what I like about his is he talks about, I like the, the cold inbound interest uh, and I think mm-hmm. he had a, a mention that a lot of people, there's like a substantial amount did cold outbound, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his takeaways was cold outbound sales is number two. Biggest takeaway was outbound sales is consistently the best signal for validating your idea versus friends using your product, incubator batch mates or investor leads, which yeah. also is sort of that mom test type of thing too, which is like get people that don't know you and don't have like a bias to like friendship or wanting you to succeed or rooting you on or any other vested interest um, in it. Mm-hmm. And outbound is, you know, can be super powerful in, in, in validating that signal. So I love that yeah. he approaches that first because it's sort of like what for me is it tells sort of like you were saying, is like, if you can sell it, um, that's a strong 
that's a strong validation signal. And if you can sell it already, you're already solving two problems. One, can you sell it? And two, could there possibly be scale? So if you're only doing it for like a couple months and you're making sales, you're like, there's, there's something there, there. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, you were as a founder had the wherewithal to, or the wherewithal to find it. Now, can you do it at scale and consistency? Like that's a different story, but at least there's something there. And can I do it profitably is like the next stage. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think also like with, with cold inbound, like people are, yeah, people are giving you money. So that's a good thing. But they're also like, I find really willing to give like harsh feedback at the cold inbound stage because they don't, they don't know you. Um, at least like the people that are willing to like, you know, speak up, they, they don't really know you. And so like, if they don't like something on their part of their onboarding process or whatever, and they're going to quit, they might just tell you be like, ah, I didn't like that thing. And then you can iterate a lot faster on, uh, on things that way too. I wonder also if like some of these validation things are, you, you can almost like see what's hiding behind the, the item. Like for instance, cold inbound, it's like, well, that's your, you know, getting like selling to people, right? Like the, you're getting sales. You know, if you think mm-hmm. of like sales marketing product as being like your core kind of things to figure out and then like, you know, continued usage is like, okay, your product is, you know, doing something right. Um, and so it's just like a matter of, you know, are you filling some of these hoppers of, you know, things that you need to have a healthy business and can you kind of work out the rest as you go? And so having like one of your hoppers of like, you know, marketing sales or product full is a good signal mm-hmm. that like, you know, life is, life is going to be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. What I wonder though, too, is like at that stage, let's say I'm a brand new founder and I'm reading this article. I wonder what they, you know, how someone is going to approach this. Like they're, my guess is they're just going to go with the path of least resistance for themselves. Like if I'm reading this and I haven't done Mm. outbound and I'm not comfortable with it, like I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to do the prototype path. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you look at those things, you're like, listening path, uh, I don't want to talk to a lot of people. I don't know how to do that well. I don't have great yeah. interview skills, or maybe I don't know what I don't know, so I don't even know where to start yeah. with that. And like, our friend Michelle Hansen tries to teach people that. That's where like yeah. the, you know, all the interviewing stuff, and it's a skill. It's a skill to mm-hmm. build. If you think about all four of those ways, aside from number four, just launch and see how it goes. Those are skills. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think if I read this, you know, a number of years ago, I would have just gone for a little, just launch and see how it goes. Cause like, that <laughs> seems a lot easier than talking to people. Cause I don't like talking to people at, like at this stage of life. Um, <laughs> but I think that what I've, what I've kind of, what, what my current view of how these things work right now is like that no matter what you do at some point, you're going to have to sell things to people. And they're going to have to give you money. Um, otherwise, it's not going to work. And so right. the sooner you get that over with and figured out, the better. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just wasting time. Um, like, sure, it's fun to code. But like, coding to make money is a lot more fun than coding for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, no, I agree with that. Um, only thing I'd say is if you were reading this years ago, I don't know, maybe Lenny is being super helpful with people and the fact that the just launch and see how it goes. That's the one he didn't give you any details on. So essentially (laughs) 
Would you pick that or would you subscribe to find out? Because that's the one you're probably the most comfortable with. Uh, yeah, there you go. Did he help you or, or uh, you know, but help you by saying, I'm not going to pay for that, but actually, so I don't know the details, but he lined out these details of these first three uh, mm-hmm. very much and I could follow those paths. So uh, yeah. maybe that's the path of least resistance for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one thing too I've noticed with reading more of this um, like business strategy type stuff is that um, sometimes being a developer is actually like a hindrance to some of these business things where you get so caught up in the details and the minutia of the product um, mm. and you forget to focus on like what is the business doing and like how does that thing operate. Um, right. Like all the sales and distribution, like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like he's talking in his article here, he's like, oh, you could go get some, you know, people to help you build the product when it's time to build the product kind of thing. Um, or like you can hire some devs at that point or something. And like, I think that is the right way to think about it. Like, I, I feel like I have to put that hat on of like, I am not a developer right now. Like, let's figure out the strategy. And then like when it's time, I'll put on my developer hat and do my developer things. But then I have to switch back and, you know, kind of go back and forth. Right, right. But but yeah, but realization of that is not something that I think every uh, engineer-based founder <laughs> is, is thinking. <laughs> um, but going back to the same thing, it's like that if you're walking in and he's saying there's these paths and you go, X is my skill set, like that's where probably... Uh, the prototype path seems to be the right path because I can build the prototype and I already know what's going to work. I just have to get, mm-hmm. I just have to build it and get it in front of people. Right. So yeah, yeah. play to your strength. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Um, so what's, what's interesting that uh, I kind of find um, what's also interesting about Lenny is he sent out, I don't know if you saw that there was a recent newsletter. I did this week. But he was basically talking more about his path as a as a creator. Um, he often yeah. doesn't talk about himself. Um, okay. But if you think about the key paths of creators, and I've been thinking, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of years. It's like people go where your energy flows, right? And it's sort of more of this like, hey, you're a creator because you like to do this thing, and now is a great time because, like I was mentioning earlier on the podcast, there's so many ways to potentially monetize mm-hmm. if you're good at it you can and you are sharing what you're learning and you can put it into a format that a lot of people enjoy and there's different ways to monetize it whether it's a course teaching people whether it's mm-hmm. the content itself whether it's selling the content is engaging enough from an entertainment or edutainment perspective that people are willing to pay to be attached to you as like for advertising mm-hmm. all those yep. different ways or premium content and all the different stuff, right? And like he knows that. True. And I'm what and I'm not saying my framework is any better, but it's like <laughs> and again, it's different because my whole line was about so here here I'll, I'll read you what the headline of my course was gonna be. It was like build your SaaS idea validation framework. Don't waste time working on a SaaS idea that will never get off the ground. Develop a pr- personalized framework for validating your own ideas. This course will teach you how to stay ahead uh, of personal and business challenges you'll face as a SaaS founder. Combine your personal priorities plus successful business, uh, successful at plus successful SaaS foundations 
into an easy to use framework to evaluate if an idea is worth pursuing for you. Hmm. So All a lot right. of that so... for me was the whole course idea was to talk to different people about their priorities. Cause one thing you mentioned, even as a developer, you're like, Hey, well, if you don't understand the business side, like you're kind of going to have a bad time. <laughs> you more or less <laughs> said like you're, you're, yeah. but also what I try to get into the questioning of the framework is like, well, why do you want to start a business? Is it for money? Cause sometimes maybe it's not right. Like maybe it's like, I just want to replace my salary enough. I don't care to mm-hmm. be VC backed or all these other things. Um, Cause in my worldview is like, that's the harder thing to move is like your psyche and what you want and what motivates you as an individual. And that's mm-hmm. what I was trying to get like, okay, great. I'm going to help you develop a personalized one based off of mm. what you're motivated on kind of questions I've talked to you about in the past, like what excites yeah. you like deep technical stuff. So it's like, okay, now part of Nate's SAS, you know, ideation framework is like, it has to have a deep technical problem associated with it. Cause that's what brings him joy. Right. So, mm-hmm. so the whole idea was going through those different things and helping people, you know, not therapy, but have some sort of (laughs) self-exploration and then pair it with all these other tools and pair it with like, Mm. how do I check this and see if this is worth doing? Because you might start on something that could be monetarily interesting, but also could be, you know, I don't know, predatory towards like a, you know, young kids or something, (laughs) something bad that you're just like, oh, this does not align with my my worldview, yeah. right? So like that you should clearly eliminate, right? So hmm. I, I, th- I find that interesting, like the personalized framework. Um, but I guess like I th- I've seen frameworks like that where they are trying to personalize it for you, um, but they still call it a framework. They don't say you're, you know, changing the framework. The framework is the framework. And yes. you kind of come up with like an archetype of like, well, you're the, you know, developer person who cares about deep technical problems. You're the salesperson who likes to talk to everybody you're mm-hmm. the marketing person that likes to make flashy banner ads or something like that um and kind of like use those prototypes as a way to kind of launch into your your framework because i'm sure there is like while it is personalized i'm sure there are some common truths and people do i think kind of like to be told what they what what your opinion of like how this should work out is like, I think that's something useful with like Lenny's newsletter, for example, where it's like, he's like, this is how I think it should be, you know, th- you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. Um, right. And I think, I think that's what we're all kind of looking for with these articles too. It's like, you know, just tell us what you think. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good because honestly, like re- going back and reading it, because again, this is all like, you know, uh, advice after the fact, right? Like he's mm-hmm. interviewed all these people. So it's sort of survivorship bias and, and trying to find out what those and trying to create the ideal path. If you, based on what you know now, how would you approach mm-hmm. it? Right. So I think it's, I yeah. think it's, you're right. I think it's great because also when I read these things, it sort of solidifies other parts of my worldview because it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, oh, I did this, but huh, despite that, I still found this, but that's okay. It's yeah. not all perfect, but, um, it is interesting cause it just helps you like further validate those things or further 
not to validate the validation mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> piece, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you kind of get yeah. like a, another check mark. Like I kind of thought something in this direction and now it really solidified for me. Yeah. I think one, one thing I've started to like, I, I've read a lot of these different frameworks from business owners and things. Um, and I find that sometimes they will overstate, um, you know, their particular framework of doing things because that worked for them. And that's right. fine. Like everyone's got their different path. Right. Um, but I guess where I really find a lot of value is in um, people who can explain why that particular thing will work for them. Um, and, or people who have done it multiple times um, and can say like, Hey, I did this thing like three times. I don't know who started three companies in their life, but you know, kudos to them. There's plenty. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, three companies that have worked. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just, it's just very different. Um, there, there, there are a lot of uh, founders who think they know how they got where they are, but it, when you talk to them for a while, it's clear that they don't really know. They just mm-hmm. kind of guessed and, or like they're kind of parroting something they've heard somewhere else. Right. Um, so I do think it is tricky for um, people who are on my side of the, the spectrum, you know, trying to learn these things to kind of suss out like what is, what is truth and what is, you know, just someone saying something, right? Yeah, I, I don't think that that comes down to experience. I feel like you don't, yeah. you know, whether it was you stubbing your toe yourself mm-hmm. or like, I don't know. So it's something interesting because when I like I look at this and the first thing I think about is the context of this. So it's like, OK, he's interviewed all these people. And I think about the data set, right? Like mm-hmm. I think about like, OK, it's uh, OK, these are all VC backed. So that's interesting. So that's also like sort of like, okay, like all those people have a certain like view of the world that leads them to be VC back, that leads them to try Mm -hmm. to build these bigger uh, unicorn types of things, whether that was the original path or not. So, um, but that only comes with like, if I was looking at this, you know, 10 years ago, like, Mm. The, the nuance between how a bootstrap founder thinks and how a like a like a VC backed founder thinks yeah. is very different. But if you told me that like tech startup founder, I'd be like, oh yeah, they all think like this, right? Or <laughs> that's the other thing that we yeah. I think are constantly faced with when someone's like, oh, you have a company. Oh, you're you're like you're a risk taker. I'm like, no, mm. actually, I'm really risk averse. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just thought the safer path was to bet on myself than to attached to other people's wagons. So that's just a different yeah. like nuanced yeah, way of looking bosses, at it. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, totally. But I wouldn't know those questions to ask until like you're deep in the weeds and it gets yeah. super, super nuanced to, to understand those different things. And I, I think you're right. And I think that's maybe why like so many, so many people who have a business have failed at a few things first where they've, you know, they just had to kind of mess it up a few times because you, you, you just don't get far enough in the weeds just by looking at it from the outside. You have to kind of live the, live the journey a bit. And then that's when it becomes clear, oh, hey, like, don't do that or, you know, look out for this thing. Um, and then you kind of, over time, you build that experience. And maybe it's not 100%. You might overcorrect on another way. Like my corrections sure. for like the past one, Ubernote trying to build basically a competitor for notion before it was notion. And <laughs> it was a whole, like, I don't, I didn't want to do consumer. So it was like, pfft, I'm, yep. I'm just selling to business. I'm just doing B2B. 
that yeah. type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and you might overcorrect or, but it kind of leads back to our pivot conversation over there too, which is like, mm-hmm. I think some of those things is like you're working and you think something's working or, so, or you're working on an idea and you think it's working, but then something either internally, let's take the Slack example, like something else really takes off and you're like, I thought hmm. this was working. Like we were growing at like 10% a month, but this, the other thing, like the usability that went off the charts is there's something <laughs> else there. And it's almost like if that happened right off the bat, you might not know that that was the good thing, but almost because yeah. you had the one that was growing at a slower rate, still not a bad rate. And then you yeah. see something that's exploding. Then you're like, Ooh, I'm going to hop on that wagon because yeah. crap, that's, that's what it really looks like, but you wouldn't know it. Like, that's yeah. why it's funny sometimes with something I think that's oftentimes sometimes you're talking about some founders don't know. It's like they might have lucked into it by timing, not to say they're not skilled, mm. but they built something at the right time and yeah. it just caught fire. And then they're just like, Hey, that's just what it is. Like, and, 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 and I did this, I, I willed this to happen. It's like, there are a lot of economic conditions that happen. There's a <laughs> lot of things that change in the world that happen. Maybe you're not giving those due credit and you were in the right place at the right time. Not to discredit yeah. you, you still had to do the thing. Yeah. Um, and then they're the ones saying, oh, this is how you do it. I'm like, yeah, you've had one success. I'm going to I'm gonna take your advice with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah totally. But anyway, very Lots wandering episode. Lots of questions, <laughs> not many answers on this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, just rounding out, I don't know if I'll ever probably finish that SAS idea validation, like course at this point, probably not. I think I punted on it last year. This was around this mm. time last year where I was like building the course mm. and I was thinking maybe by the end of 2022, I would launch it and I kept punting mm. and mm. now it's been on the backlog and in the archive for so long that it was interesting to pull back up, even just to read that, like copy from the landing page for you so anyway not sure if it'll ever make the light today so well we'll link to the the article in the show notes and uh, you can read it for yourself and if you want to pay you can read about the how to you know just launch it so um (laughs) yeah good luck Uh, to you (laughs) either way lenny is awesome his podcast is great there's he does a ton of great interviews so um yeah so uh definitely check out his stuff anyway there's a lot of really good stuff All right. Well, take care, Josh. Cool. All right. Later, Nate. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you want to chat with us, we're on Twitter. I'm at Nate Bosher and Josh is at JLogic. If you're a new listener, uh, check out some of our most popular episodes. Episode 52, 7 Years to 22 MRR and Zombie Startups, or Episode 30, Review Sites Are a Necessary Evil and Hacks to Get Around Them. Thanks again.